Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Brett McGrath is here to share his national 2023 experience with you. And if you're not down with that, I have two words for you. Collect it. How about this one? Let's get ready to collect. No? How about this one? We're here. We're here. We're here to collect sports cards. Just let's get on with it. I'm Brett McGrath. I collect sports cards. I was at the National. It was pretty fun. I met some friends. I bought some cards. I talked to some people. And I'm here with another collector conversation with you. And don't you forget, everybody, this is your hobby content alternative. That is right. You have turned the dial to this program today. And it's filled with unofficial sponsorships. And they're coming at me. And they're putting out their checkbooks. And I say, you know what? You got to fit the bill. And today's bill is unofficially sponsored by you, the hobby, the collector, the person that does not say the hobby is alive and all the other generic catchphrases that are out there. The hobby was never dead. And you know that. And that's why I got my man, Pack Nicholson John, on the damn program today. And we are going to be chopping it up about the things you learned at the National that you'll use moving forward. And I understand not all of you are at the National and that is quite okay. What we're going to do here in this conversation is hopefully unearth some things and processes and ideas and concepts and preparation or lack of preparation that we went through before going on the grandest stage of them all, the National 2023. And some might apply and some might not apply, but we're not influencers here. We're just collectors who like to talk about sports cards. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for telling your damn friend about this show. It's your hobby content alternative and let's kick it to the damn conversation. So this is the 352nd national recap that you've all listened to at this point um thank you all for joining uh, we appreciate you coming by um i wanted to have a conversation with someone who i bumped into at the show he's been on the podcast before um talking a little bit about his experience but most importantly things um that you learned at the show that you might be using moving forward i am joined by john you might know him as Pack Nicholson on the Instagram machine. I, I don't know. Do I call you John or do I call you Pack? When you're talking about the hobby, like what do most people call you? I think people defer to Pack. Thank you for having me, by the way. But um, yeah, I think people kind of go to Pack and I I won't correct them. <laughs> it's it's hard. It's weird because we talk to all these people on our phones and the group chats, commenting on their sports cards and do all this stuff regularly. And we just like transitioned into real life for a minute and just like had the whole like fun, look at my cards, hang out, eat meals, do all that stuff. And now we're kind of back to the Instagram part of it, but I don't know. So I'm like, do I call people by the real name? Do I call people by the handle? This is what I do know. I feel like most of the people that I talk with online, typically it translates into the same type of individual online, similar experience for you or different. Yeah. I think it's, it's hard. Like I met up with um, a few guys Thursday night for some food and drinks and like, yes, I remember everybody's first name, but I didn't, I don't think I ever was like saying that. I think it's back to, you know, Austin is Carlson. Like I can't call him Austin or yeah, it's just your Instagram name's your name. Sorry. It it is. And we're making that, uh, we, we've decided we're going to make that a, a hobby law in this hobby recap. Before we dig into the topic, just maybe some quick hitters. Did you get a chance to try, to try the uh, sushi in the convention center hall by chance? I did not even know that was an option. Um, the fudge stand caught my eye a couple of times, but I didn't indulge. But did you, did you try the sushi? <laughs> no, no, it was like a running joke between my brother and myself. It was like, you know, smoldering heat, people sweating everywhere, cards everywhere. And it's like 1030 and there's like a line out the door of people like trying to get sushi in the convention center. Something about it just kind of made me feel a little funny. Yeah, that's worse than gas station sushi. Well, I don't know, right by the airport. Maybe it's fresh. Maybe it's, you know, right by the source. 
it, it could be. The other thing, maybe that wasn't ideal. Uh, I got a chance to stop by the card letter booth and, you know, they did such a good job with their activation. It just seemed like the place, like you can go and just like sit for a minute, drop, kick it, have some, like I'm not only talking to their team, but then talking with just everyone who they know who stopped by and meeting some people. But that was great. But like the thing that wasn't great about it. And I was like, how did they deal with this the whole time? They were literally sitting right next to like the stage of like people like screaming. And then you had like the breaker screaming. And I was just like, I was like, it was hard for me to adjust back to reality just after a couple of days. But I can't imagine them like after like all the conversations and the screaming and everything else. Um, but I hope it sold some subscriptions for them because they sure as hell deserved it. Yeah, I didn't honestly see their booth. I kind of tried to avoid that whole center part with the breaking and come up. Like I, I was going through it and it it was cool to see, but I was kind of head down the whole time trying to get to booths and look at cards. You you were. I feel like every time I saw you, you were uh, I feel like some you were like trying you're processing. You had like your box of cards and you're like it was like you were just processing like your next move. Do you, did you do you feel like you were like building towards something at the show? I know you had a post that you didn't say we're gonna talk about the card you picked up, but you said you didn't really have a plan, but like what was going on in your head? It feels it, when I saw you it just felt like there was a lot shaking there, a lot of activity. Were you stimulated? Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I I didn't really have a plan in the sense I didn't have one certain card going into it I was after or even a short list or any like pre-deals or anything like that. I was kind of aware that what I've been collecting for the past year and a half wasn't going to have a presence at the National. I didn't anticipate seeing a Priest Holmes booth or, you know, Sean Alexander things laying around. So I, I collect LeBron too, and I have had three bigger LeBron cards that I've kind of had the idea, you know, I would like to turn these into one bigger LeBron, or it could be a different player, one bigger card, but um, that's a harder thing to do. It takes the right dealer, the right timing, the right everything. You have to have cash on hand, you know, all the things that it goes into a deal. So I was just kind of walking in there with some cards I was okay partying with and open to whatever the national would present and just kind of walking around. And that, that was when I first got there, but then the wheels started turning after Thursday because I was staying with my buddy, Mikey, Mikey in the hobby who made quite the pickup on Thursday. (laughs) I I didn't know you were staying with him. Maybe you told me and maybe my head was spinning and I didn't process it myself. But I actually like sent him a message, like recapping, you know, withdrawals from, you know, the show. I was looking at everyone's recaps on Instagram and I just like looked at what he did. And my my goodness, uh, just insane. Maybe would you share with the listeners if they aren't on Instagram or have not seen it? Like maybe I think I reposted it and I called it perhaps one of the most important football cards of this era. So maybe share with the listeners what he got. Yeah, so Mikey acquired the 1998 Credentials Future Randy Moss rookie card that's numbered out of six, which is just crazy. And so, like, I got in there Thursday. I hadn't seen him, and then we're kind of meeting up after the show, and he's like, do you have any pickups? And I'd gotten this, like, Dwight Howard platinum medallion that I was kind of pumped about, like, traded a few cards and a little bit of cash into it. I was like, this is sick. This is out of 13. Um, I was like, what about you? And he's like, yeah, you know, (laughs) got a little something and shows me the card and then shows me kind of what he traded for it, which was a ton of other just grails like Kobe Jambalaya, um, other Moss autos, other just incredible cards that he'd been, you know, collecting for years and years, but this has been a card he's been after for years. So kind of seeing that level of move and like how hype he was and like the him having the top moss cards i was like i want to do that or i want to do my version of that and get something big so going into friday i had a different mindset and a lot more going on mentally and running around more like uh when we cross paths did i had the same thought like just there if 
no matter how excited I was about my cards and, you know, you do that thing where like you show people and you're like, look what I got. I'm so fired up. It was, then you'd be like, what'd you get? And then all of a sudden, like someone would just pull out like, you know, four grails and just like, what I chalk this up to, because every dealer that like I had a similar experience like that with, they've just been doing this for a lot longer than me. They like, they have the equity in their PC. They know exactly how to trim the fat out of their experience, the national experience. And they just are on get shit done mode. And like, that was one of my big takeaways is like, man, like I sat here and I looked at my case and I was like, there's no way I'm bringing these like 50 cards. I would never get rid of them. But then when you actually see what potentially is available, those 50 cards that you thought were like never sell cards are cards that you maybe move if the right card or two presented itself. So that was like one of my big takeaways from just my experience is like, don't be scared to move cards because bigger cards will be available. Yeah, I think so. I brought like my whole zion case with me but then into the show i just packed the tiny white cardboard box in a backpack so like mm. all right who makes the cut what 25 of you are coming in like what's the goal and so thursday i was way more conservative like i bought cards i really wanted to move but then friday after or like thursday night i was really looking at my case like after seeing mikey's card and uh like you always say you got to be the ceo of your collection and i was like some of you got to go. Like we got to, we got to make some cuts here. I, I'm like Ari Gold walking through the bullpen with the paintball gun. And it's like, all right, and like something switched where all of a sudden a lot of these cards that, you know, I've just been casting a wide net over the last year, like liking certain sets, getting as much of it as I can. And so I just felt very wide, and I was like, we need a consolidation time. Like it comes in waves. Let's let's go up. So. Um, Friday, I definitely brought with me cards that two days ago, two days prior, I would have said I was not going to sell. Um, and just like hit the floor, like, let's find a big grail card, some sort of big card and make a move. And first I saw a 1998 Sammy Sosa credentials, uh, future, which is also the, like, I don't know if it's, it was Mikey's Moss with like the colors, but like the red and the purple. And like, I've been thinking about the 2003 Cubs a lot lately. I just got a Kerry Wood and Mark Pryor credentials and the Sosa. I was like, I think I want this card. And it had a three case sticker on it. And I was talking to the guy and he bought it three months ago. I was looking up at the last comp for 1800. So I was like, all right, let me go try and sell some cards, get some cash and see if I can't make him an offer. So, so I want to stop. I want to, I want to stop you yeah. there because in the, these moments of seeing you at the show, one of those moments was we, you know, you were, had your cards and I was like, what's up, dude. Caught up for a minute. I was like, what are you, what are you up to? And you talked about this Sosa card. And I was just like that in my brain, I was like, you know, I don't view you. I know you have the Chicago ties and you're a Chicago sports fan, but like I view you certainly as more of a football guy. But like to me, it was like that card is so cool and everybody can have some nostalgia, even if you weren't a Cubs fan for Sammy Sosa. So I'm like, I can't wait to see that card because I just want to see what it looks like in hand because I couldn't visualize it. So that was like, one interaction and it was like the meme with like you know moments later or whatever two <laughs> minutes later whatever the hell was like back to, and you're it was like it literally was like a, i felt like maybe a half hour maybe less you had a completely different card <laughs> that was significant but it wasn't that same sosa card yeah um what changed so i saw the card loved the card wanted the card then i wanted to sell cards because i'm like i need cash and selling at a show is always challenging like you're not in a good position you know from a value standpoint and it's just harder to do um but i started looking around at tables kind of who's buying what's in their case like are they going to be excited to see steve smith and terrell owens and ladanian tomlinson or are they just looking for new prospects so luckily i found these two guys from ohio they were great took a 
liking to a lot of cards that I had. And we ended up making a few deals and I was able to get like $2,000 cash for a few cards that like I had graded myself. So I was basically up a lot. Um, it was, it did hurt. It was my 2006 Steve Smith finest gold gem mint 10 that I got raw and graded. And I love that card and I'm sad about it, but this guy, like he loved Steve Smith. So it, it was cool to like have that, you know, common appreciation of Steve Smith and to let it go to someone who seemed like they enjoyed the card. Um, and my Devin Hester 06 finest black PSA 10 rookie. Those are fun cards. Um, yeah. I'm, I know before the audience or maybe mo- some of the audience does, but I know like maybe what that helped get you. And we're going to talk about that, but can you maybe share the, this perspective of like, you were just walking the show, you had cards to sell, you found someone to s- sell it to. I know that can be like a little bit of an awkward experience for some, but like what, it, what kind of maybe strategies or tactics did you use in order to find those people? Was it just simply like staring at their showcase and being like, all right, this guy probably likes similar stuff. I'm just going to go up to him. Or was it something different? Yeah, it, it was definitely. First, I looked for like buying signs, like anyone who put the effort into have a sign that says buying and put it out there. Mm. It's like, all right, that door is open. Like, at least I know that they are willing to participate in that and not me running up to someone who's like, no, I don't want to buy your cards. And then it was, yeah, it's kind of like, does this guy look like he might appreciate LaDainian Tomlinson? Like, is he of my era? Um, And looking at the case too, it's just kind of, you know, sizing things up. I feel like at the national, you have to get pretty good at glancing at a showcase and in a few seconds, seeing if it's worth stopping for a little bit. Um, And maybe, you know, I probably missed a lot of great cards by doing that, but um, yeah, they just seemed like, like, I mean, their case had a lot of early 2000s basketball, a little bit of football. I just figured I'd show them the box and yeah, right away they were very, very into this stuff. Okay. So you let go of these cards that are amazing cards and we won't beat you up over how cool they really are, especially since you sub the PSA 10 yourself, but that's besides the point. (laughs) (laughs) But it was like, I can get them back. There's always that. That's always the thing. And people always say that, but then I'm like, how many people do actually go back and get them? Cause I feel like once then there's something else above, like, you know, our people, I don't know that Steve Smith. I love that Steve Smith. I'll, but, I'll uh, tell you who I'll tell you who does go back and get him. And that's I have had that question. I, if you if you just follow along, uh, Josh Cardboard Chronicles, it seems like he's given up LeBron's and he's always down for a, a, a round two or down to round three with the LeBron card more than anyone else I've seen because he's very focused in there and it's topical because we're talking about uh, LeBron. So you got your uh, you got your cash. What happens next? So I get the cash. I go back to Sosa. And that's where I see you on the way is cash required on the way back to the Sosa table. And I get to the guy and I offer him $2,000 cash because I'm like, you just paid 18 two months ago. This is cash in hand. Like I thought it was a strong offer. And he's like, no, I'm firm at three. And using the same logic, that's a card out of 72. Sosa's not, it's just not worth that much. And I was kind of, didn't want to pay up for it. it again, if, if it was out of 20 or out of 30, you know, yes, I'd figure it out. But um, I just was like, all right, well, I'll see what I can do. But I walked away knowing like, I'm not going to get this card, but then I've got this cash burning a hole in my pocket. Mm. <laughs> and now I've lost, I haven't lost hours because I've acquired some cash, which is very helpful in a trade scenario. But um, now I have no target. So I was just kind of wandering around and I saw MC sports cards booth. And it was one of those moments where like when you see a booth and there's like no one at one case. So you just go to that case first because you're like, all right, this is empty spot. I can get in the little lunch line and, and move my way down. And in that case, at the bottom is this 2013 select gold prism LeBron James, like in the black heat uniform, just an awesome looking card. And I'm 
looking at it and it had a 6k sticker on it which i was like i don't know i thought it's just a card i never had on my list never had really researched i just assumed these cards were nowhere like i was nowhere near being able to get one like i didn't think i was like a lebron gold guy that was always just something out of my range i i so after i saw it from from you and i don't know if this was like being brainwashed from the 21 boom and seeing like guys like LeBron stuff be completely in my mind, unreachable and unattainable. But when you, when you presented that card to me, like I was just thinking like, I had no idea what the value was. And I was just thinking, it was just like, Jesus, did he give up his whole collection for this thing? That's what was going through my head. And then I went to Card Ladder, I think in the hotel room. I like remembered that you got the card again or you posted it or something. And I like looked at it. And I was like, oh, decent price tag. But I was like, that's not so bad, you know? Yeah, like definitely an expensive card and crazy that like able to get that. Like I'm still like, wow, this is, but that's years and that's been, you know, several years in the making and a lot of cards have gone into like how I was able to get it, but that price just kind of shocked me. I did not, again, had no knowledge of how much that was worth. Like I knew the 2012 prism golds are like hundreds of thousand dollars. This isn't prism it's select, but I don't know. I just saw it and I was determined to get that card. So started, um, Asked if they were open to partial trade cash. They kind of looked through my box and I had a 2003 LeBron Bowman Chrome Refractor that I had for about a year that was a great card. I really liked that card, a BGS 8.5, but um, it was like at like a 3,500 value. And so I was Mm. like, oh, I'm almost there (laughs) like with this cash and this LeBron. And then we got to talking and I had to throw in a 2013 kaboom kevin durant that i had but that was something i was down to move so yeah i mean i just put those things together then all of a sudden i have this 2013 select gold lebron and i was pumped so the position of mc obviously is the dealer and they're like to me and i don't know this but i'm just assuming like a show like the national like that card you have of the o3 Bowman LeBron rookie refractor is like one of those cards that he, a guy like him could probably, probably move in two seconds. You know, it's yeah. like, so like, I don't know, it's playing to uh, someone else's strengths in a way where if I look at the deal and I look at the card that you got, I would much rather end up with your card because there's only 10 copies and the early select stuff is especially gold is so badass has has your acquisition of that card caused you to think about, has it inspired any other lanes or um, collecting paths that you might potentially go down? Or are you just trying to enjoy the card for now? I mean, it's definitely got the wheels turning on like, do I try and get more cards from this set? Do I try and get another big LeBron? But I mean, right now I've, I've kind of put a lot into this one. So (laughs) I'm, I'm enjoying it for now, but it definitely has, opened up like like if lebron is this much from this set what's Dwayne wade what's kobe mm. what's steph like let me at least look and see if these are cards that i i, I want to go for um because i'd never had a select gold. uh i guess i have like a couple random bears players but like a select gold of this caliber and a graded one and it feels awesome <laughs> like it is a like i get the hype i i totally understand everything now congratulations on the acquisition um, I'm curious, I think part of the, what we're going to talk, we're talking about here is just things maybe at the national that translate or don't translate back to deal making and what we're doing, uh, most of the time. So was there, I guess, did you find anything that translates at all from like the online deal making of it all, which we're constantly doing to dealing at a big show in person at the national? Did you feel like you had learned anything or had an advantage that translated or not at all? I think just like having genuine interest in the cards is, you know, like when you meet people on Instagram, you're able to scroll through the feed, 
DM them, have a more like intimate conversation mm. about the cards. And that just leads to better relationships and figuring out, you know, oh, you like so-and-so? Did you see this listing? Like that type of, you know, bonding over the cards, I think is just as important at a show, like going up to a case and seeing things that you're interested in and, and trying to talk about the cards first can then lead to like, I'm just pulling from selling to those guys. Like they were very nice. They had similar things in the case. We were talking about the cards first. I didn't like run up, like, will you buy these? It's kind of, you know, talking to them first about the types of cards they have. And I feel like that's the, what I do on Instagram and not in like a way of like trying to get cards, mm-hmm. just more of, I love talking about sports cards. So when I see people with their cards, I want to hear the stories behind them. Were there any, did you have any other moments besides the, um, like the selling of those cards to the Steve Smith apologist or appreciator that are, were memorable, like other conversations you had with dealers that stand out, whether they led to deals or not? Um, not really. I had uh, kind of a bad interaction with one dealer where like, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think it's just the atmosphere at the national. It forces like the transaction to come before the interaction you know mm-hmm. what i mean like it's packed there's so many things going on there's so many people that having that kind of small talk about the cards that i was just talking about is hard at the national like you just now get time with a dealer they don't really want to necessarily chit chat it's like what card do you want what's the price and so i don't know if it's that atmosphere but i had one guy that was just like I had a LeBron 07 finest X-Fractor that I picked up in a trade with one of the Ohio guys that is numbered to 15. So it's a pretty rare X-Fractor of LeBron from 07. And he was asking what it's worth. And I'm like, you know, the there's only two sales. One's a PSA 9. He's like, well, this isn't even close to a PSA 9. I'm like, I know. I'm just kind of like giving you a reference point to start this conversation. And like, he had popped it out of the one touch without asking and was looking at it, which again, I would have said yes, but it was just kind of, you're just meeting this guy. You're just just running through this shit. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that we're going to get a deal done no matter what happens here. So that that's one that stood out, but I don't want to like harp on the negativity because like everything else was great. Like it was so cool to see people and all, uh, most of the dealers were super nice um, and fair and all that. I feel like a lot of this has been like what we've been talking about. It's just like leading into kind of the next spot I wanted to hit, but just outside of just like the cards itself, like things that you picked up from the experience that you think might help you be a better collector, whether it was just like ideas, information, advice, anything kind of that you're going to take from the, from this experience. Um, I think that this, this whole thing is just constantly evolving and like the, ability to let things go like that LeBron 03 Bowman Chrome refractor kind of was on the no trade list, but then because, I mean, I've had it for a year, so I'm down on that card. I mean, that's just how it is. And again, not the main point of it, but just I had in my mind, like, it's not a loss if you don't sell, like, this is a great rookie card. This looks great. I'm, I am in LeBron for the long term, but then it's like, well, I'm still in LeBron. I can turn this into a different LeBron, but that, and just like the other, you know, cuts from my collection that I didn't think I would make and that it's okay. Like you can get things back. It's constantly evolving. Like the whole reason we buy cards is to like get a feeling, right? It's like, I got this. It makes me feel good. I like this, but at some point, maybe that feeling goes away or it lasts longer than you think or shorter than you think. And if you have certain cards that you're like, all right, this is no longer sparking that joy. It's okay to move on from them and get them to a better home. There's a couple of things you said that I want to hit on. One is, isn't that what we're trying to do? Aren't we trying to buy cards that like sustain that feeling forever? Because we, anyone listening, I can relate with that. As you were saying, like there are cards that I've picked up in my case that I've had for two years and I've looked at it and look, I've, I, I know an estimated price of what I could get for it now. And I'm like, is this car giving me that feeling that it did a year ago? And I, I think that's, uh, it's kind of introspective in a way, but 
I don't know. It seems like that's what we're doing. It's like we're when we buy cards, whether it's at the show or online, it's like we're looking for those pieces that are going to make us feel something for the longest time. And I think also it's like we got to be okay if if that feeling um, wanes a little bit. Yeah. And I mean, for me, it was kind of like flipping a switch too. like or it's just been this kind of like there's waves to it. It's like a, a period of accumulation where I'm just buying things and buying things and buying things. And then it's figuring out what sticks and what doesn't. And then taking those things and turning it into a new batch of things that hopefully provide that the good feelings for even longer, but then sometimes they go away. And like, like, I don't think anyone has a, once I get to these five cards, that's it. I am done. Like I am whole. It's like, no, you're going to get to those five and be like, I want a different one. It's just, it's constant. It's what is it? The, the journey is the destination. That's, that's exactly right. The, the other thing that you said that I wanted to spotlight was about, you're talking about the, the price of the LeBron and how like, it's down from the time that you bought it. Well, welcome to the club says basically everyone about every car that was purchased two years ago. I think this is like a breakthrough level that we go through as collectors. when we have this moment where we say to ourselves, okay, like we bought this card for, uh, you know, let's just say we bought this card for a thousand bucks. Now it's worth 500. Like we should never, if we don't like the car anymore, we should never like hope and dream that the car is going to go back to a thousand or 1200 bucks potentially to sell it. It's just not how it works. So it's like, I don't know, like how powerful is that like realization and ability to be like, I don't give a shit how much these, this batch of cards is value wise right now. I know though, if I can take these four or five together, I can go get that card that like makes me feel something really strong right now. And so I'm just going to do it, but that doesn't happen overnight. But like, how good does it feel when you finally reach that breakthrough? Oh, it's great. (laughs) I mean, I felt like it happened for me on Thursday after I saw the Moss and, but now I'm in this awkward situation where it's like, I went through my case, you know, and I made like pile of like the untouchables for now and like what I'm okay moving. And it, turned into like, oh, I only want like 25% of these, 20% of these, like 80% of you can go. Yeah, I didn't sell all 80% of them. So now they're still in my case. And it's kind of this like awkward situation of like, we both know I mentally cut you, (laughs) Yeah, but you're still hanging around. It's like the Seinfeld where George (laughs) quits, but then just shows up the next day and then still like, I work here. (laughs) It's it's like, uh, you guys got to (laughs) go. So yeah. Yeah, A plus on the Seinfeld reference. Um, God, George Costanza. I don't know. He hasn't been mentioned at all, if not enough, but greatest television character of all time for my money. Yeah, I do I had that same vibe. Like I literally took those cards that like came back home with me. And I almost like instead of like piling them away in their proper spot, I like literally just like bashed them up and like put them in the back of the stack because I know that like you know, we just left the show. We just bought stuff. We made deals. Like it only makes us more hungry and like been a maniac looking for cards ever since I got home. It's just like, I know those cards are going to be gone because I know those cards are going to fund my next purchase. And it is kind of weird because they're in this like kind of in-between period right now, but they're going to be gone soon because the card is eventually going to pop up and I'm totally okay with that. Yeah. And it's actually good timing. I'm this weekend, I'm setting up at my first ever show and I'm kind of pumped to like curate a case with not just the cards that, you know, two weeks ago I wanted to sell, but some of just cards I think that are cool that I'm okay moving and hopefully they can land in a cool collection. So I'm very excited to kind of curate this table. That's pretty strictly like 2000 to 2006 and like no QBs here. It's just <laughs> I'm I'm excited to just kind of have a different table or the table that I've always wanted to see walking around a show. So take a second, plug the show. Where are you going to be? Uh, it's like the Noblesville Card Show in Indiana. Let me look up who's it's at the Moose Lodge. Um, That's a real card show. A Moose Lodge card show is where yeah. the real deals get down. Um, Miller Time Collectibles is the one putting it on. 50 plus tables, it says. I don't know. I'd never done a show and my homie sent me that post and it's like, let's set up. Like, why not? Let's see what happens. I've never done it. So if you're in the 
uh, Midwest area, especially in the great state of Indiana, there is a show that John will be at. Go stop by his table if you're around. Um, Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. Good call. Um, want to take a second here because you mentioned him up front and I wanted to get back around. I feel like it's a good time since you were talking about your showcase. And I don't know if this player is going to be in your showcase or at all, but you have become a, uh, I would say a leading priest homes collector. And I think what I like about your priest homes collecting is I, it, it resonates with me as an Andrew Luck collector where it was like, these guys for a period of time were as good as it gets in the NFL and like the hobby just like casts them off. It's just like, oh, well, you know, they're, they didn't win a Super Bowl or they didn't, they're not going to go to the Hall of Fame. But like, I don't know, the, the feelings I have for Andrew Luck go way beyond that. So I want to express that in my collection. And I feel like Priest Holmes, like there was no better running back in the NFL during his stretch. So maybe like talk a little bit about just like that, the Priest Holmes of it all and like how much fun you're having collecting his cards. Oh, it's the best. Um, I mean, I can talk about Priest Holmes all day. Three AP team, first teams in a row, like won a rushing title. Then he follows that up with a 24 touchdown season. Then he follows that up with a 27 touchdown season. Then he follows that through eight games. He had 1600 yards and 15 touchdowns like that three and a half season stretch. And then he, you know, gets hurt and the career essentially ends, but like he was just burning white hot. And I think even more so now with just how you see what's going on with running backs and how the workhorse running back is going extinct. And so I still am very fond of priest and Sean Alexander and Jamal Lewis, LaDainian Tomlinson. Like that's just the era. I, you know, I feel like everyone's very nostalgic for what they were watching in like middle school and high school. And those guys are, I'm just, yeah, the workhorse running back will always have a piece in the PC. I'm working on this like theory right now about the fact that like anyone listening who just heard you talk about priest homes, giving the statistics, talking about priest homes with such conviction is like being like in their car, you know, walking, taking a break. They're just like, you know what? Like priest homes was awesome. Like I'm going to go watch priest homes highlights. Uh, I hope that's what you're doing. But when we and I got back in the hobby, like it was all basketball. It was all like 90s basketball cards. And like there, you know, it didn't matter who the player was. People were buying it. It was like, oh, Brian, big country Bryant Reeves. Yeah, man, Vancouver expansion franchise. And he was awesome. You remember him from college. And then he was there. And like it did, dude, no one gives a shit about Bryant, big country Bryant Reeves stats. No one gives a shit, but they care about that moment of him being their first draft pick and putting on the Jersey and going out there and what else happens? It doesn't matter. So they buy the cards in the sets and this happens with all of the NBA players. And I'd sit and I'd look at the prices of these cards and these rare nineties parallels. I'm like, man, like this is crazy. People are spending this kind of money, but it was nostalgia and it was passion. Then like, you know, for me, I'm more of a football fan. So I look over at football cards and it's like, you know, it's like, why, why is this happening over here? But like, to me as a collector and a bigger fan of football, I feel like there is so much opportunity to go dive into rare nineties, early 2000 parallels of like football players that give you a ton of nostalgia. I just feel like if you're looking for a lane to go collect in and have fun in, like that's a fun Avenue because stuff right now is still so affordable. And I don't know if it'll always be that way. And it maybe will just be the same, but like value or not, I just feel like it's, it's, there's always cards available. There's a ton of players and all you have to do is just kind of think about your experience as a fan and start digging in because it can be a lot of fun. Yeah. And like you look around the national and there's vintage there's nineties, like, you know, late nineties, which is awesome. And then there's like ultra modern, but like, who's got a 2005 table, like, two, no like for whatever reason, like that is still like, it's not vintage yet. It's not nineties, but it's not modern. Like, I, I don't know. I've just been swimming in that world for the past couple of years. And, and I think that's why, like, I, I'm thinking about Sosa and the Cubs. Cause it's still, it's a whole different lane. And that's kind of exciting to me of like, like, I don't know, baseball starting to get on my mind, which is weird. Cause like football season is coming up, but I feel like mm. 
the last year I've been like, so focused on like, Oh, five finest, Oh, six finest, Oh, two finest football, football, everything that kind of taking a breather from it and exploring something that's like the same era, but just a totally different lane is starting to kind of pique my interest. I'll tell you one thing that I'm not really interested in, especially after like seeing the volume and seeing the prices is like going and getting super aggressive and chasing brand new football cards of young players that are playing right now, because like, I'll just spotlight one guy. Like I, I saw Trevor Lawrence in every case I looked at and the price of Trevor Lawrence right now, go down the list, right? Justin Herbert, uh, your boy, Justin Fields, like all these quarterbacks, like the quarterback, young quarterback market right now is, is it's, it's insane because you can go buy a Sammy Sosa credentials or go buy a LeBron, you know, gold select 2013, 2014. And you're really not too far away from like, not high end, like mid range cards of these rookie to second to third year quarterbacks. And that just somewhat blows my mind in a way. Yeah. I, I don't understand. I guess I, I kind of do like I'm down to one Justin's fields card. Like I had a couple medium fields cards, but I was, I traded or sold them. Um, I have one that I was open to selling. Part of me kind of wants to have it during the season. Cause I know if he's, you want one, if he's going off, it's gonna be <laughs> nice to have the card, but then I'm also thinking, Hey, if I sell this and it skyrockets, that means the bears are crushing it, which is a moral victory. Like, there's the emotional hedge. So I don't, I, I don't know what I'll do there, but um, yeah, it, it's just hard. I mean, are you getting any more Anthony Richardson? I know you talked about that Bowman gold, but beyond that. Yeah. yeah. So I actually think about this all the time and I, there's, I'm just not sure. Like I can justify the cost of entry on the cool cards that I want based on understanding what else is out there for half the cost of what his stuff is. Now talk to me freaking, you know, in a three months when the Colts knock on wood are over exceeding expectations and he's giving fans the excitement that he is the future. I'll probably be speaking a different language or saying something different at that point, but man, that's just like one big takeaway I have. It's just like, it is a race to the bottom playing around in that because everyone is trying to get rid of their stuff. And like right now at the national, like it blows, like it wasn't like that a few years ago. It wasn't like so heavy with young quarterbacks as being the commodity. It used to be rookie NBA prism silvers and stuff, but now it is these, these players and it makes sense, I guess, when you think about how the, the kind of the top end of the hobby works and how popular football is. But like, it's almost like over the last couple of years, it's just like the gasoline has been poured on this segment and it, and it terrifies me as someone who could potentially dip their toe in there because their quarterback is coming in and he's a brand new, exciting young player. Yeah. And, and just like the sheer volume of cards for these players that there mm. are it's like a contender's auto for brady is one thing because it was you know like one card with a couple variations and now it's like there's contenders contenders optic optic and then the billion parallels beat within that so you can it goes on forever but i will say i didn't really get any justin fields during his rookie year because there weren't like moments but then last year like when he had those like back-to-back 60-yard touchdown runs i was like i have to buy a Justin Fields card because it will represent how optimistic and excited I am about the bears right now. So yeah, we'll see if week five Colts are five and oh, Richardson has a five touchdown game. You're going to be on, you're going to be doing terrible things on eBay. Yeah. And my wife's going to be looking at me and being like, did you pay the mortgage? And I'm like, (laughs) what, what'd you say? Um, So maybe like kind of rounding the corner on this conversation. I'm curious do you, based on your experience at the show, kind of what you're doing, I know you're setting up at a show. Does like the way you th- approach your collection or think about your collection change at all based on your experience in Rosemont? 
Uh, no, I don't think it really changes. Like, um, I think it just made me rethink some things. Cause again, like all those hypothetical cuts I made, like now I'm kind of in sell mode. I think it's again, just part of, I think the ebbs and flows of this whole thing, but yeah, I think my mindset's still the same of just like buying cards. I think that are awesome that are providing the feeling and just identifying when, they're no longer giving me that and that I can turn it into something else, but it's just a constant search for just finding sick cards. I am uh, super curious just where the headspace is at going into the national next year. Um, but I I'm still, I feel like personally, I'm still trying to piece together what I just experienced, but this is what I can tell you. And I mentioned it before, and I'm sure you're feeling it too. It's like, I just have, such a burning desire to buy more awesome cards that I can just file away in the PC. And if I have to get rid of some cards to do it, I'm game, but stuff like that, it just makes me hungrier. Yeah, absolutely. Did, did you, I know you had some big pickups, but were those all predetermined? Did you have any like in the wild finds? Uh, Only the one only in the wild find was the, uh, the wrestling card I bought, which was the bloodline triple autograph out of immaculate, uh, at a 10 on card autograph is RBI crew seven, which was cool. And like, I talked, I, I like, I've been talking about this, but like, I love what they're doing. Recognizable dealer, recognizable brand, um, good shop always at the shows, but literally like one of like the few, there were rest, more wrestling cards at the show than definitely the last time I went to the national, but like, to have a big significant dealer have like multiple showcases of wrestling cards and like in trade, I was listening, like they want wrestling cards back, I think was cool just for that segment of the market. But when I walked, I had gone to their showcase as the first pass and I was like, cool. They have wrestling cards. Didn't really get a chance to dig in. But then like the next day I was like, I need to go back and spend some more time. And that it was like, I had not bought a card out of a showcase impromptu, but this was one of those ones that kind of like stopped me in my track, got on card ladder. There'd been no sales. I was like, I, this card fits into this PC I have. It tells the story of the storyline that is significant. And it was so easy. It was like, you know, one negotiation back. All right, done deal. Here's your cash. Um, so that was the only impromptu kind of find I had. Which was interesting because I think there's so there's so much fun in like that experience that you shared of like just like selling cards and then like landing an awesome card. I I really appreciate that, um, but I also like appreciate like just like <laughs> collectors that I've been like hammering for like so long who finally are like they're trying to get cash and they're like yeah dude let's get this deal done at the show. Like there was something about that proactive nature like and just getting cutting straight to the chase and knowing i was getting a couple cards was a lot of fun so uh yeah i don't know both always are cool as long as you come back with some cards that you're happy about but that was kind of my perspective yeah exactly like i've been hounding a guy about he has the 06 finest priest home super fractor and it's just and it, it was sitting on ebay forever just like really high with a best offer and i just hadn't gotten around to it and then it it's gone and then i found mm. who has it and it's just been a he's been zero, very nice very cordial because i just check in every you know month and just it's all you hey, can do hey what do you think <laughs> you know i just picked up the 06 gold x that would look awfully nice next to it and then but then we kind of talked about this the whole who feels like they deserve it is it the player collector <laughs> or is it the set collector or the team collector. And it's like, he has an unreal super fractor collection. And that is a good piece of his super fractor collection. I have a nice priest Holmes collection. That would be a nice, you know, piece of that collection. And I feel entitled to it because it's me, of course. And it would be my priest Holmes BC, but he has every right to hang on to it as part of his collection. But me and Mikey were talking about that too, where it's just funny to when, when the circles overlap. Oh, the, the circles overlapping is when card prices go up. And I don't, this is what I don't like. I don't like the entitlement in the entitlement that is presented outwardly that is saying, oh, I collect this player. So like, you've like, you've got to give me that card. Like, that's not how it works. But I do, and it almost, I don't know. I don't, 
I'm in both worlds. So it's, I'm, I'm trying to play Switzerland here, but I don't know. I just feel like if you love a card and someone else has it and it needs to be in your PC and you're like kind and you're courteous and you're keep communication over open, like we all need to sell cards to get more cards. And sometimes our best cards that we need to sell will net us the most money back. And one of the hurdles that we have always is the time to sell cards. So it's always nice to know that people are in your back pocket and who will do anything to get you the cash for the cards. So like my strategy is always just like, regardless of player parallel, whatever, it's just like, if it's a card, just be persistent, but don't be annoying and stuff eventually works itself out. Oh yeah. And and yeah, I've been super nice. The only entitlement is internal where I'm like, Oh yeah, that card belongs to me. I, well, cause you know, you could have had it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, it makes it even worse. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well this, this episode is a tribute to, um, the national 2023, um, sushi pop-up booth, the lack of air conditioning and badass shiny cards that we put into our PC. Um, oh, and Thank you for sharing your card. John is holding up for you listeners. And I'll try to cut this clip if I have time and put it on Instagram. The shiniest, the design of those cards are so amazing. It's in a BGS 9.5 too. We didn't even mention that. What are the I subs on that? 9.9595.10 surface. The 10 which, surface, which is nice on those cards. Yeah. Um, it is the highest 9.5 I looked and there's no PSA 10s. Have, has any LeBron collector reached out to you for that card since you posted it? Uh, I had a couple of DMs already. And I was like, <laughs> Not no. for sale. Yeah, no, this is, but then it's weird. Like setting up in a show, do I put it out? Like there's, I would never move it, but do I put it out as a tracker for like other, like maybe someone's like, oh, I have the Dwayne Wade. Like, I, I don't know the strategy there. I've never set up. Do you put out cards that are, you know, you're not going to move in hopes that they lure in similar things? I'm sure every dealer who's listening, every experienced dealer listening to this is shaking their head. Hell yeah, you idiot. I I don't know either, but it seems like there's some method to the madness somewhere in there. Oh yeah. Awesome, man. Well, dude, I appreciate you coming on, sharing your experience. This is a fun conversation. Hopefully everyone out there uh, enjoyed this one and we will definitely do this again. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Man, I was fired up for that intro and that conversation. Man, it was really good. Hopefully you had a good time enjoying this episode of Stacking Slabs Podcast, your hobby content alternative. We'll be back always. We do this on Wednesdays and Fridays. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. We'll be back with more SSP on the other side of the tracks.